You're listening to a very special episode of the Changemakers podcast, brought to you by the Thomson Reuters legal team in Australia and emerging markets. Changemakers is a global Thomson Reuters initiative that brings together industry leaders committed to improving diversity in the legal profession. And we want your commitment too. My name is Catherine Roberts and I'm a global strategic client director with Thomson Reuters Legal. In this episode, we're exploring the importance of individuals being active diversity and inclusion champions, both in the workplace and in life. Today, I'm joined by one of my favourite colleagues, Rob Head. Rob is Director of Proposition and Core Law for Asia and Emerging Markets. Rob is based in Hong Kong and is a vocal champion of diversity and inclusion at Thomson Reuters and with our clients. He's also internationally recognised for his work in this space. He has hosted Stonewall's Global Workplace Briefings launch, authored The Road to Gold Strategy, Driving Achievement of Gold in Hong Kong's LGBT Plus Inclusion Index, and actively supports Hong Kong's Gay and Lesbian Attorneys Network. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Hey, Catherine. Thanks for having me on the show. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. So, first of all, let's just start with why you support diversity and inclusion and why it's so important to you. I think it's a great question. And... It's one I think about quite a lot when people talk to me on panel discussions or in the organization about how long I've been in the organization. For me, it's about working in an organization which has got a culture that fosters an ability for everybody to bring their self to work, their whole self. And something that fosters creativity through enabling people with different talents, different ideas and different capabilities to to bring everything that they have to the table. And I think that should be regardless of your culture, your nationality, your race, your age, your gender, your sexual orientation, or your physical ability. So for me, diversity and inclusion and supporting it is about enabling all people from everywhere across our organisation and our customer base. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And really, it's just so crucial to be visible in this space. So I've heard you talk a little bit about your mission to convert passive allyship into action. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So... One of the things I notice when, when working in, at Thomson Reuters and what I see in the market more generally is people talk about being supportive of inclusion, whether that be LGBT inclusion, gender equality, etc. They, they, they say that they're allies, but they, they may be allies who sit at their desk and don't attend the events. They don't come out and speak. They don't call out um, discrimination where they see it in the workplace. They don't support people who are in a minority for for whatever reason, when they see something that is working against inclusion. And for me, it's really important as somebody who is part of a minority to to be a vocal voice that will enable people to be more active in their allyship, to encourage people to attend the events, to, to show through leadership that it's possible to be um, LGBT plus achieve leadership roles, plus have a career that, that progresses successfully. It's all about leadership and more than that, it's about getting people to be active. And it's I hear the word tolerance used quite a lot in respect of equality and in, in respect of non-discrimination. But for me, on a personal level, tolerance just says, I am putting up with something that I don't like. And what we're trying to foster in our culture here at Thomson Reuters, and I see this throughout a lot of our clients in the legal space, is a culture of inclusion where it's beyond tolerance, it's acceptance. And I think that's really important if we're going to make our colleagues feel very welcome at work. And have you got any examples of, of some very specific actions that you'd like to see colleagues take to, to really show their, their, their passion for this and their, their approach to being inclusive? Yeah, I think 
Um, on the LGBT front, that's a space I know very well. Some organisations are doing really good jobs at having subtle but very positive signposting in the office. People will have ally stickers on the back of their laptop. People will sometimes have a little flag on their desk. There are events that happen where um, people will wear pink um, for Pink Friday, which is an initiative that a friend of mine, um, Michael Lamb, set up at Goldman Sachs um, to really spread the word across the industry in banking, finance and law that they're welcoming cultures. And these are signposts that people can just do as a very small act that make a big difference to make people feel welcome. One leader I've worked with has always been very careful in meetings to make sure that everyone has a voice in the meeting. And I think something like that as well can be really helpful just to, to show that you are wanting to listen to all the voices and you're giving everyone an opportunity to speak. Uh, so I completely agree that that is so important, that, that, that passion for inclusivity. I imagine this has been quite a journey for you to get to this place of being such a vocal campaigner for DNI. Could you take me through this journey? It mustn't have all been smooth sailing. Um, well, no, it wasn't, but it's it's turned out all right in the end, I would say, as a positive start. Yep. Um, I went into a career out of university where I entered a management development scheme in a in a international transport company. I won't name them. <laughs> but what I found in that culture was it was a culture of machismo. It was a culture where gender balance didn't exist in the workplace and it was a culture where being LGBT plus was not accepted. Eventually, I left that company and moved down to a rather prominent publisher in the UK called Sweden Maxwell. Mm. And on my first day in the office, I was asked by a colleague of mine called Chantelle. She'll forever be a good friend of mine. She said to me, um, have you got a girlfriend? And I said, no. And she said, have you got a boyfriend? And in my head, about 10 seconds passed. Mm. But apparently, according to her, I just said, yes, straight away. So I was out at work at Thomson Reuters from day one, from the first hour I was in the office. Very inclusive in the UK, very comfortable. When I moved to Hong Kong, I was very uncertain about the culture, uncertain what was accepted, how I, it would be received being gay. So I chose to go back into the closet, if it were, with my team and um, only really told my manager and my peers that I was gay. And so that was a bit of a strange development for me as a as an LGBT person moving overseas, I think, I think over time, what I found was that I was seeing a lot of other leaders and friends out there who were in very prominent positions in their organisations who were able to be out and be open, and to to talk publicly. To I could see them making vocal statements, and I could see them making positive change in the company that they worked and within the industries. And I felt that maybe there was more that I could do. And then an opportunity came up. It was about 2016, and we were working with um, Stonewall, a prominent UK um, NGO who supports LGBT inclusion. They were looking to launch their global workplace briefings, which are a series of guides helping organizations and people to understand the legal landscape um, related to LGBT matters in countries across the world. And so we were fortunate in Hong Kong to host the first events to launch one of those global workplace briefings about the Hong Kong market. So it was a really great opportunity for me to stand up in front of the room, in front of an industry customer group, and to speak about being LGBT in the workplace and the importance of fostering an open and inclusive culture. And we had a great panel discussion. And through that, we were able to kickstart a series of events that gave Thomson Reuters really strong profile as being an open and inclusive employer. 
And so just to give you a few examples of some of the other events that we've run, we hosted the Asia Summit for Out Leadership, um, which was a summit covering legal and financial services industries um, in Hong Kong, talking about the benefits of LGBT inclusion in the workplace, in the industries. We took a real focus in the second year of that in um, having a legal panel where we pushed the information to the market to explain about the QT case in Hong Kong, which is a very prominent case where lesbian same-sex couple were previously denied a spousal visa. And then this case was successful in overturning that judgment in the court of final appeal, enabling the spouse of the employed member of staff to be able to bring their partner over to, to Hong Kong to live and work. Then I would say once I'd been getting involved hosting these events and speaking at these events as a moderator, there was a point where I realized I was somebody who could actually be the panelist and not just foster the conversation. I could be part of the conversation as a contributor to the topic. And I've started to more recently, I would say, attend events where I've been invited to speak on panels. So I spoke at the Workplace uh, Inclusion and Diversity Conference based in in Hong Kong uh, about two years ago, where I was speaking to a room of HR and recruitment professionals about the the importance of fostering uh, a culture of inclusion around LGBT matters. I would often reference um, gender equality at the same time, because I think it's very important whenever you're trying to push one agenda in this space to make sure that people realize it's not at the expense of others, but it's to support all people at the same time. Very recently, I was um, able to attend an event, which I think is my favorite event in relation to LGBT inclusion of late, where I was a panelist. It was the Pink Season in Hong Kong, which is an event which covers about six weeks worth of activities from education, social, sporting, general fun series of events that really promote LGBT inclusion across Hong Kong. And I attended a careers fair, um, which was produced in association with an organization called Wanted. And I was on a panel which was about bringing your whole self to work. The, the whole event was fantastic. It was like a party atmosphere, a carnival. In fact, they called it a careers carnival. And it was great to be able to share my stories. One of the challenges they asked me about was bringing your whole self to work. What, what, what gets in the way of that? And I think one thing that people forget often is that as an LGBT person, you don't just come out once. Mm. You actually come out to every person you meet for the first time. And you have to judge whether that's a safe space, a safe individual to do that with. And so one of the things I would always encourage people to think about when they're talking to people that they're meeting for the first time, whether that's in a sales conversation, whether that's advising your client, whether that's being the client talking to a lawyer, you don't know what their background is. You don't know whether they're straight, whether they're gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual. This is a blank slate. You have to go in it with an open mind, use inclusive language, don't assume. Absolutely. And so important, I think, that we do always remember how emotionally exhausting it must be to be carrying that every day, to, to to weigh that up with your taxi driver, with your new doctor, with whoever it is that you're coming across that day. Uh, that must take up so much bandwidth. And yeah, I, I completely agree. It sounds like it's been quite the journey for you across many regions. And so that's culturally, legally, many aspects to it. So very inspiring. Going back to your work in this space, what would you say is your greatest achievement? Interesting question. I think there's two ways I'll tackle this one. I'll start off with the the obvious. I think I've been really proud with what I've been able to deliver for for the company in terms of its branding, its its achievements. So as you referenced in your introduction, Thomson Reuters achieved the gold standard and were ranked fifth place in Hong Kong 
for LGBT inclusion, achieving that alongside very, very strong peers in our customer groups in financial services and in, in legal in particular. And I feel like I've played a really, really strong part in being able to create the brand and the culture within Thomson Reuters that we are very accepting. We do have a culture that is supporting of all people of all backgrounds. So personally, I, I'm very proud of, of that achievement on behalf of the company. And luckily as well, in the same year, I was recognized as the LGBT plus inclusion champion in Hong Kong. So it was great to, to win that this year because in the previous year, we'd Thomson Reuters had won the LGBT newcomer award and I was a nominee and a finalist for the inclusion champion award. And one of my, my friends, Henry, Henry Lee of Eversheds had, had beaten me to the, to the title in that one. Um, but this year I was very proud to actually have earned that title. And it was fantastic recognition from peers and from an organization called Community Business who runs the awards. It's a fantastic NGO. It supports organizations, small and large, to foster inclusive culture, to learn how to do that. And I think it's very important for organizations who don't understand all of the, the aspects of what it takes to make an inclusive culture and to support employees, to really engage with NGOs like that to, to help take the organization forward. And just recently, actually, I was gobsmacked to have been listed in the outstanding future LGBT role models list, yes. which recognizes people from any level in an organization who have made strong progress in LGBT inclusion. So, yeah, that's that's really quite cool. I'm really quite proud about that. I think beyond that, there's the the human angle to all of this as well, which is for me the the less publicized part, but the most important part of it. So I remember once after running a number of internal events that we'd, we'd done things like Pink Dot in Hong Kong, which is like a carnival of LGBT inclusion. We had been doing some some external panel face external customer facing panel events which had been pretty successful and i was i got a text message from a from a colleague um to thank me for for doing these events and saying how how important it was and how grateful he was that people in the organization were working to to drive that inclusion and to to foster that culture and i think sometimes it's it's really hard for people to really grasp why it's so important to do that so I'm going to give you a little scenario. In markets like Hong Kong and Singapore, so I'm based in Hong Kong, so most people have heard of the concepts of six degrees of separation. But in markets like Hong Kong and Singapore, it's much more acute than that. So small cities, people know people who know people. And so imagine you are an LGBT plus individual working in a company or in a law firm in Hong Kong. You are not out to your parents at home but you want to be comfortable at work and be yourself and be fully authentic about who you are. You don't know, because in Hong Kong, it's actually only two degrees of separation. If somebody at work knows somebody who knows your parents. So it doesn't matter whether or not you foster the best culture in the organization in, in, that is possible. It's not necessary to see a physical result of somebody coming out. Do not measure success on the number of out people at work. Measure it on the culture. Measure it on your staff retention rates. Measure it on how happy people are in the office. Because those people may or may not feel comfortable to, to demonstrate publicly. And that's not a measure of how good you're doing. The measure is whether people are staying with you at work, whether people are enjoying themselves. And so I would say one of the things that I would call one of my biggest successes is making sure that people in the organization understand that kind of concept and seeing the staff retention rates and seeing, seeing people do well at work regardless of their backgrounds. 
And from my perspective, I've seen you achieve in, in both aspects. So we, we know that your profile is amazing in the industry for being a leader in this space, but also your impact on people um, has been really impressive as well. So, so well done. In terms of legal leaders, have you got anyone that you'd like to highlight as really leading the charge in furthering diversity and inclusion in the profession? Yes, I do actually. There's, there's two people I'm going to call out. Uh, the first is Justin D'Agostino, um, CEO of Herbert Smith Freehills based in Hong Kong. Justin is somebody that I consider a role model, somebody that I have um, been able to look up to as a successful leader who has spoken out publicly, who works collaboratively with industry. He's done a fantastic job of establishing the Iris Network at Herbert Smith Freehills and has demonstrated that you can get to the very top in the legal industry whilst being both LGBT plus yourself and an advocate for positive, positive change. And so Justin's my first call out. The second person I'm going to call out is not LGBT plus, uh, and it's Natalie Hobbs, who's the Asia managing partner of Linklaters. Natalie is somebody who has led Linklaters to the number one ranking on the Hong Kong LGBT plus inclusion index. They are a, an organization which has really raised the game under Natalie's leadership. She has engaged positively with organizations that Thomson Reuters work with as well, like uh, Open for Business, and worked very collaboratively across the industry, um, including with organizations such as the Hong Kong LGBT plus inclusion network or HK Gala. And she's a real role model for somebody who is a public advocate and ally, not somebody who is a passive ally, a real example of what it can be and what can be achieved by being an um, active ally. Could you share one example of where you've really seen Natalie leading the charge? Yeah, sure. So Natalie was one of the panellists on a panel that I moderated on the future of talent in Asia following the QT case in Hong Kong. And what she did, she brought the international firm's perspective on what the change to spousal visa availability for LGBT people would mean to talent flow across Asia and across the world in enabling Hong Kong to be a hub for LGBT talent in the future. So we've made really great progress and you've just gone through a lot of that, but what are the next frontiers? Is there a particular region or a sub-issue that you'd really like to see tackled next? Yeah, I would say for me personally, it's an area where I, I need to learn because not every LGBT person understands what every letter in LGBT is all about. For me, the area of greatest ambiguity is the T. So transgender, what does it mean to be transgender? How to work with transgender people? How to learn about what that means? For me, this is a relatively new space. I know a lot of organizations such as Evershed Sutherland have done a really great job of raising the awareness of that um, through initiatives in Hong Kong in particular. And a friend of mine, Rachel Sheck, who's their diversity partner, is really pushing pushing that. So for me, I think this is an area of ambiguity. I learned a lot through attending a Thomson Reuters LGBT plus role models course mm -hmm. by interacting with um, Stonewall, Barclays and Thomson Reuters colleagues from around the world and met two transgender colleagues, one from Thomson Reuters, one from Stonewall, who really opened my eyes to the topic. I still do not claim to know everything there is to know about this topic. I have a long journey of learning about transgender. But I think for me, this is the area where most people know least. And we can all do a lot better by listening and learning. And so I'd say that's my, my call out topic. 
Well, that's a great prompt to remind listeners that there's a special episode of the Changemakers podcast and that was all around transgender diversity and the common law and that was hosted by Shelley Mulhern and Tim Pollard and they spoke with Rachel Wallbank. So please listen out for that episode. So Rob, looking to the future, how do you see the profession evolving further so as to ensure we offer truly inclusive workplaces? I think that's a a great question because what we see in the market today is something where the big companies, the large law firms are leading the charge on inclusion, whether that's gender equality or LGBT inclusion or, or other forms. And I think the next battleground for talent, if you will, is going to be taking that down to the smaller law firms and the smaller corporates who are trying to win talent. At the moment, there may be an acknowledgement of gender equality in some of these organizations, but not necessarily, I would say, success everywhere. LGBT inclusion is not routinely an operational reality in many of these organizations. People yet, especially in Asian countries, are not feeling like small organizations are all open and inclusive to all people from all backgrounds. And so I think that's something that is the next space where I think organizations like Thomson Reuters and legal firms in the large space can help to educate those that are in the smaller space and maybe no less. And I think at this point, I'd like to call out the HK Gala again, Hong Kong LGBT Attorneys Network, because they are doing some fantastic work in broadening understanding and knowledge about what is inclusive and isn't inclusive in the legal space in terms of the laws. There's been a great study that's been put together by Matt Bauer, a partner at Allen and Overy, about where the laws in Hong Kong are actually discriminating against LGBT plus people. And through the HK Gala network, organizations in small law are really going to be able to start to engage more with the large law profession and to learn more about what it takes to attract and retain the best LGBT plus talent. And those messages will resonate across LGBT, gender, race, culture, ethnicity. It doesn't matter. It's the principles of inclusion which will stand out through that. And I think that's where where it's all going to happen next. And it's something I've seen in the legal profession that even though everyone is competitors, there's a a real sense of being collegiate and and honest and transparent when it comes to diversity and inclusion. So I I imagine it would be a wonderful place to be where you have large law inspiring small law um, on initiatives. So that's a great idea. Well, it's been a pleasure, Rob. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for being such a visible and enthusiastic leader when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Yeah, thanks, Catherine. It's been great to be here. And thanks for enabling us to shed a spotlight on LGBT plus inclusion and the role it has to foster inclusive workplaces uh, across Asia and emerging markets. Thank you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.